Hey, it's Nelly. And it's Juno. And you're listening to Two Addies and Coffee, please. Where we share unfiltered life experiences as young, badass Asian American women with ADHD. Welcome to episode 10 of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please. In this episode, we want to share our experiences and perspectives as Asian American women in this political climate where there is a lot of anti-Asian sentiment and hate crimes going around. Since the start of the pandemic, there has been a 1900% increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans and around 4,000 reports of these attacks. And a significant amount of the crimes were actually targeted towards the most vulnerable part of the population. So 68% of anti-Asian hate crime victims were women, and 7.3% were the elderly. So Nelly, what was your initial reaction when you first heard about all of the recent media coverage on anti-Asian hate? I was super fucking pissed. I think right now I sound a little less angry, but I've had time to work through all of like the sadness and the anger and the grief. I was actually surprised that mainstream media even wanted to care and talk about this because for so long, Asian Americans have been disregarded in mainstream media that we aren't even considered Americans. We're just seen as these perpetual foreigners. I was following this way back in March of 2020. So reading all the news and following all the social media, and it just really pissed me off that the bigger like media companies weren't talking about this. And now that they are talking about this, it's somewhat validating that, oh, okay, wow, you guys actually care now. But even when they are covering these attacks, it's their form of whitewashing our stories to make it more palatable to the white population. And it just makes me really angry, <laughs> like so fucking angry that we have been dismissed and invalidated for so long. And I think this is mostly because of my background, where I grew up Chinese-American in New York City, and we face a lot of microaggressions that are very normalized in our society towards Asians, and especially because people don't see us as like an oppressed group. We're seen as a model minority. We feel like we can't really speak up about that. And I think I've always been very vocal about my experiences with racism and microaggression. So I would speak out and kind of vocalize it. But even at a young age, I see all of my other Asian American peers who would kind of just take it and say like, oh, like, it's fine. It's just a joke. It's okay. And normalizing all of these jokes or offhanded comments became such a norm. But it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I hated that sentiment. So growing up, I was always seen as like angry and angsty and how I hated society. But now we know. Now we know why. <laughs> um, and then I guess like when I went to um, college, I purposefully did not apply to any schools in the South or whatever. I wanted to stay in a large city where there were people of color diversity and like Asians because I did not want to be seen as this Asian female or Asian woman that media has portrayed like submissive obedient quiet and it really fucking pissed me off when people just look at me and they're like oh you're a petite Asian woman like you must be like quiet and submissive and so innocent so when I hear about all of these hate crimes against Asian American women specifically it makes me so mad because 
Not only do you have racism, but you also have sexism, and they intertwine to create this intersectionality of all the oppressive forces at play here, and it becomes your lived reality. And people are constantly invalidating, gaslighting your experiences and saying that it's all in your head. And it's not. It's media erasing your experiences and whitewashing these experiences. So they don't feel this white fragility and white guilt. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Feel it. Feel the discomfort because your discomfort kills people. <laughs> I would love to like hear your opinions on this because you grew up kind of in the same environment as I did, but then you have lived in places and cities that are predominantly white. Can you elaborate a little bit about your background and experience living in that community versus somewhere more diverse like New York? I think growing up Korean American in New York City, I always saw what power I had with no accent, like speaking English properly. And I always saw like a huge difference between how the rest of my family were treated and I was treated. So I grew up thinking like, okay, I have this privilege, like I experienced less racism than the rest of my family does. But I think when I moved to Denver and it isn't super diverse, there's not a lot of Asians there. I started realizing that I was this exotic Asian or like model minority. And for some reason, I think because there weren't any Asian Americans around me to validate my discomfort, I sort of internalized and normalized subtle microaggressions I was receiving and traits people were labeling me with. I think it's very difficult to have an accurate picture or like an accurate awareness of the microaggressions that you might be facing and things that are super not okay when everyone around you feels justified. I started dating someone who was white and he had more of a conservative background. And we had interesting discussions because it was the first time I was having longer discussions with someone who had such different views than what I was used to in New York. And I had research to be able to explain or justify why microaggressions were not okay. Racism is not in the past. And things that I thought were like givens before were now being challenged. So I guess my reaction when I heard about all of these anti-Asian hate crimes I don't know, I felt suffocated. And most of the suffocation was from looking back on my experiences and seeing how passive I was uh, in situations where I was receiving racist and sexist treatment and everyone else thought that was totally normal. And I'm just really sad knowing that there's so many Asians out there, especially in very white areas that are probably internalizing this as well and don't see anything wrong with it. And I think another thing that's very upsetting is we were talking about intersectionality before and the issues that POC women uniquely face. I think when I first heard about the comment on the Atlanta shooting saying that like, oh, it's not racially motivated. It was his sexual addiction and he was trying to eliminate temptation. I got so angry because I never made the connection that like all of the hypersexualization I've experienced in the past like in Denver, SF, New York, all of it was being directed towards people who seemed super similar to my mom. And that just made me extremely uncomfortable. It's very annoying that people expect me to be flattered by all of this dehumanizing fetishism. When I was looking for like Tinder dates, some of the comments I got were like, oh my God, do you have an accent with like a weird emoji? And I was like, why is that relevant here? Also, when I went on dates, a few white guys were very upset when I didn't hold their hand or if I didn't do something for them, I, they were just kind of confused. Like, oh, you're not submissive. I thought you were cute. Like, oh my God, your cute lip gloss is ruined by this meal. And like, I don't know, they just treated me so weirdly. Not everyone treated me that way. But when they did, I was like, you are very, very much seeing me as a sexual object and it's submissive, exotic Asian. 
it confused me at first, but I don't think it like fully registered until I was reading about all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, shit, this is a very common experience across Asian Americans. Oh, my God. That makes me so angry. I'm like, ah. I feel like when I get angry, I don't even like formulate words anymore. It's just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely agree. Like everywhere I've gone, I feel so cautious and like anxious and like <laughs> hyper vigilant to like what is happening around me because I know how society views me as like a petite Asian woman who fits that image of what you imagine an Asian woman to be because I am like small and I fit this narrative of someone who looks very young and there's so many instances where I'm just like minding my own business, doing my own thing, eating my fucking sandwich. And someone walks into the room and they're like, oh, wow, she's so quiet and like so sweet. And I'm like, I have a fucking mouthful of sandwich. Like, what the fuck do you want me to say? Like, open my mouth, you want to see what's inside? But then like, I just heard this one guy was like, oh, she reminds me of this other like petite Asian girl who's like a friend and they they have like so similar personalities and I'm like what fucking personality I didn't say shit yet I have a mouthful of sandwich <laughs> and I think it was so odd because it's so different from my actual personality so when that person said it in a room full of people who actually knew me we were all so puzzled and confused and it's like blatant racism but I think it has been so pervasive in our narrative of what an Asian woman should be that seeing someone who deviates so much from that stereotype is so like just puzzling to them and I think in one instance I had like this white man tell me like oh I want to like date you I'm interested in you xyz and I'm like fine let me keep an open mind but yeah I was skeptical <laughs> and then like after they were like oh wow like I thought she was so innocent and submissive and obedient blah 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 but like I'm so like blown away that she's not and I'm like why is that your impression what evidence do you have I remember when I was in college in Michigan my cousin flew over to visit and she pulled a prank to pretend that she was Korean like fully Korean and couldn't speak English and the way I saw people who are a little bit more from conservative parts of America were treating her I was like wow they were treating her like a baby they spoke really softly, really polite, and treating her like a very young child. And then when they realized that she spoke English, they were just like, what the fuck? And they just, I don't know, they were very not polite, sweet people. And I was like, why are you acting like this? It's just a little bit disturbing. People just infantilize Asian women and anything they do is like seen as kind of like a submissive, cute little like doll that does this one act. Or you're seen as like this hypersexual like deviant and you're like, wow, that's crazy whatever and I think a lot of like um, American media kind of perpetuates us that as well like white comedians and I just think like white women see Asian women as a threat because the narrative is that Asian women are like submissive and obedient they'll do whatever to please this white man and they're hypersexualized and whatever so this white woman they feel like oh fuck like I can't keep my white man like I feel attacked so they go and further perpetuate those beliefs and kind of attack Asian women so you kind of get it from both angles and I think it's just so frustrating because people interpret it as oh this is a good thing that you're being sexualized or fetishized and you're like oh quote unquote like wanted whereas I think in our society and Western society, Asian men are seen as 
emasculated and not attractive and not wanted. So you get those two ends of the spectrum. And I think both is terrible to be on because you're not seen as a human being. You're not seen as a person. You're seen as this object to either be wanted or discarded. This idea that Asian women are seen as objects keeps us as like a foreigner consistently. Like I remember in Denver when I was trying to join like the modeling community, it was interesting. It was me and three other women. And I think it was like an elements theme. And one was like earth, one was air, one was fire. And we were all given like these cool cloths and makeup. But I was the only one who got like gems put on my face and like blue paint through the center. And I had like this alien look. And I think the photo shoot I had after that, where I didn't have any makeup on or anything, like the photographer was like, oh, wow, you look so different. Oh, you look nice. But even then, they would always comment on like my exotic look and how it's like, I don't know, such a look so different. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean such a look? What's so like, I don't know. I don't think I looked that different or weird. I didn't get any of those comments in San Francisco or New York. It was just all in Denver. They literally made you into an alien. (laughs) Damn. It's shocking how they don't understand that this is not okay and that this is racism. It's racism blatant. Like, there's no other way to get around it. And I think it was very validating when I told you that and you were like, oh, wow, that's so not okay. Like, they literally meet you alien because I said the same thing in Denver to a couple people. And the reaction I got was, oh, eh, it looks really cool, though. And I was like, oh, I guess this is not really an issue, I guess. I want to like flip the switch and just say this to like, you know, like white people and be like, oh, wow, your eyes are so big, so exotic, like your blonde hair. Oh, my God. (laughs) So exotic. I like love this look. It's so unique. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) And I think another annoying thing is that sometimes when you do have like positive things commented about you instead of saying like hey this part of you is very beautiful or like hey that was really like a cool achievement that you did it's like oh wow yeah I know Asians are so hardworking. like I remember I was talking about my story like a previous boot camp student was reaching out to me for advice and I was like oh yeah sure I'll give you my story whatever like I'll give you advice and at the end when I talked about my whole dropout story like how I worked extremely hard I was like top of the class and then I worked to like build things and interview in different places and at the end he was like oh yeah I totally understand like my previous manager was Korean and they were so hardworking and I was like what the fuck like oh yeah my achievements are become Korean like I remember I went to another dinner party in Denver where my friend Rose she's super awesome because your YouTube channel like she built a very cool school and following related to finance but when she was talking about all of this the comment that we got was oh did you know that Asians have a different word for something about like future tense past tense with money and that's why they're good at money and I was just like we both had so much debt like all of the time and it took her a lot of work to like get here but it's just annoying that a lot of these things are attributed to being Asian and even when I was commented for like beauty or when I like dressed up or whatever they're like must be nice I wish I was Asian cool yeah yeah let's talk when you actually face that (laughs) I think one additional thing that validated or confirmed all the gaslighting for me was that when I started talking about my concern about all of these anti-Asian hate crimes with my family, they were slightly unfazed by things. Not all of my relatives talked about this with me before, maybe because like out of concern for me being worried, but they had their fair share of anti-Asian verbal attacks or like 
things that put them in danger. Like I know my uncle said a bunch of high schoolers came up to him and shouted at him that they wanted a dollar. And other times where he would go into stores and had really racist, rude treatment by people who were also right after him, extremely nice and like accommodating for a white man. And it made me really upset how vulnerable they see him just because he was Asian and couldn't speak English. Because to me, he was always like, I don't know, my strong uncle who always supported my family. And he is relatively strong. He's not short. He doesn't look weak. So it was just like very upsetting to me that high schoolers saw him so weak that they would yell at him for a dollar. And I was just, wow. (laughs) I don't know. One thing about my uncle is that he likes doing his hair every morning. He always grooms himself and like takes a shower really often. And he's always very careful about being clean and presentable. And I thought that was just his personality. But he was explaining to me that if he doesn't do that, it puts him at risk in public and that he always has to be seen as presentable and not dirty so that he's not a target. I think it's really sad how the people that we love who are our parents and grandparents who've immigrated to this country because they had dreams of providing for their family and creating this like American dream life. Now they are facing so much racism, hatred, and they gave up so much from their previous country and their home to immigrate somewhere where they thought they could achieve that comfort and that livelihood and provide something for their children and grandchildren. And now seeing like so much hatred towards them, it makes me just so sad because they are like vulnerable and they're old. And I think about like my grandparents who like raised me and if they were in America still, Like they might be the old people on the news who get punched and stabbed and killed and burned. And I think like just walking through the streets of New York or whatever and just going for a stroll in the park, that's not something that they can do because they might get freaking attacked. And it's just it's just so sad because like who the fuck hurts old people, old people and children? I feel like they should be off limits. Like if you're going to punch someone, like punch someone who can punch back. Like why the fuck would you punch someone who can't punch back? You know, it's like pick on someone your own size. I mean, like don't pick on anyone period. But like, if you had to, like, I feel like that's just disgusting. It's just like the most evil, cruel thing. Like, I don't consider those people. Like you don't have any humanity left like at all. And I think like at a young age, when you are children of immigrants, You face a lot of this racism kind of secondhand when you go with your parents or grandparents to stores and establishments, and you just see the sheer difference in mannerism and politeness that they give to a white person compared to like your parents. So I think oftentimes like my parents would be like, hey, can you come with me to the post office or like other places because they know that their accent, their skin will give them away and that equates to a lesser form of treatment because you are dehumanized and devalued. And I remember like growing up when I was very young, my parents were like, you must study well and like get an education and speak English well, because if you don't speak English well, it doesn't matter if you are born here, you're never going to be seen as American in anyone else's eyes. Your yellow skin, your hair, your eyes will give it away that you are Asian. They will never accept you as an American. And I really like internalize that and It's true, like no matter which way you flip it, Asian Americans will never be seen as American, period. They will always be seen as Asian American. Your Asian-ness will precede your Americanness. And I think that's just 
the unfortunate reality that we are trying to change. But for a very long time, at least I feel like in my lifetime, I will always be seen as an Asian woman, first and foremost, rather than like, oh, just a regular American who was like born and raised in New York City. And I think it's so ironic that a lot of, let's say like Italian Americans or like Irish Americans, they don't have to say like, oh, I'm American. People assume that you're American. They never ask you like, oh, where are you from? Like, that's so exotic. What language is that? Or what kind of food do you eat at home? And I think it's like pisses me off, like all these microaggressions that happen because people see my Asian-ness first, like even if they have well-intended meaning. So I had like a friend, he's a white man who messaged me, so like happy new year in Chinese. And I'm just like, well, first off, you assume that I can read and speak Chinese. Second of all, you assume that I celebrate this holiday. And those are all assumptions because he saw me as Chinese and not American. And I did not disclose to him whether or not I know the language or like celebrate or anything. I could be like seventh generation, like Chinese American. That's so distant from me. So it's kind of like saying the same thing as like Italian American who has been here for like, I don't know, like centuries or whatever and then you just like say something Italian to them like happy holidays for this random holiday in like Europe and you're like the fuck <laughs> like what but I feel like that sentiment has been so normalized that people don't understand that that microaggression whatever the intent is is still based on your biases and presumptions that I am not an American and that just like pisses me off and she's like I don't want to interact with people like that And it's very difficult because most people are like that. So I'm just like, fuck, you either don't interact with anyone or like you try to open the conversation up a little bit more and have people like understand your perspective and why this is harmful. I think it pisses me off even more that you mentioned before that like even if you're Italian-American or whatever, like they don't ask you where you're from. They don't like apply a lot of the stereotypes that you do to Asian Americans. But a lot of white people will refer to that when they justify racism. Oh, yeah. I think another big thing is that, like, it's really stupid. But because they expect Asian Americans to be submissive, they feel so comfortable giving them shit and being racist. And I think, like, when my mom first came to America, she was ordering from McDonald's and she was enunciating properly. Like, she was speaking very clearly. And she was like, what did you say? I can't hear you. What? And so my mom got like super pissed and she was like, call the manager. And she was just glaring at them. And she's like, I would like this, this and this. Can you understand me? This person can't understand me. You should fire her. And then the person was like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. But she was just like so shocked that my mom would even like say anything that was remotely aggressive. And I think that because people keep expecting us to be quiet, it's kind of like encouraging them to continue this behavior. So I think it's really important for, I don't know, like be Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, angry all the time and i think like it pisses me off more if people are being racist and discriminatory towards like my family because i feel like for me i'm just like it's fine i don't like care i can like brush it off but to people who like don't know the language as well and they have a harder time like finding the words to describe certain things it makes me so angry i'm like honestly you can weaponize me you know like I will attack verbally anyone, like, come at me. I have, like, an inner Karen. 
it's my white lady and then i can use my white lady voice to get me stuff and there comes so much privilege with that so like usually people are like oh sorry they, they don't have a table and then i use my inner karen and suddenly a table appears and like when i'm on hold and they're like oh sorry we don't have this product anymore and then my inner karen comes out and like oh suddenly they do and i'm like coincidence i think not that makes me so sad I do a lot of paperwork and legal shit for my family and they always want to pull me over because I could see them talking to them. They're very rude, very snappy. I'm like, oh, I guess the stereotype of like angry workers, they don't like their job. But when I started talking to them with like nice English, they're smiling. And when I go to the spa, like my mom and my aunt's nail salon slash spa, it's interesting seeing them talk condescendingly to my mom. And when I entered the conversation, they are very respectful. One time my mom was talking to a customer about like, this is what my daughter's doing. Like she has this job. She's making this much money. Like, wow, I'm so proud of her. They're like, wow, you can marry your daughter off to a nice white man. And my mom was like, I only accept Koreans. And she was just like, what the? F-? And my aunt had to be like, oh my God, dude, 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 don't say that. You need to keep the customer. Even in this position, like she can't say anything. Honestly, I feel like we need to call some shit, fuck shit up for people to like give a shit. It's like, no, I'm not going to be your submissive, quiet Asian. I'm not afraid to be crazy and cause a scene. (laughs) I got time. (laughs) I got energy. Society has mostly brainwashed all of us to think like, oh, racism isn't a thing anymore. And you know when Martin Luther King did his little speech? Yeah, that shit was gone. And I'm just like, um, excuse me, if you ask any POC what their experience is, they can fucking tell you that, hey, racism is well alive and they experience it on the daily. The places I feel the most gaslighting and invalidation and dismissal is in corporate America. Surprise, surprise. And I think it's mostly because I work in a predominantly like white group and this doesn't occur to them that racism and sexism and whatever is a problem. And so for one of our conversations um, with my team, we were talking about diversity, equity and inclusion. And as the only person of color there, I was like, yeah, you know, racism is a big problem and we need to do more to diversify our team. And just like, you know, provide a safe environment for people to come into so they don't feel so isolated and alone and kind of like, I don't know, face the same microaggressions I did. And I had this one white man say, I don't see race as a problem. And my first thought is, of course you don't, white man. (laughs) Like, you are the majority. Like, I don't understand, like, what you're confused about. Yeah, you don't see it as a problem because you don't experience it. But if you ask, like, a female or you ask, like, any person who has been marginalized and in a minority group, how they feel, they will tell you that, yeah, they feel oppressed. They have faced microaggressions in the workplace. I almost feel like I don't even have room to be angry sometimes because I'm so used to not being able to channel that anywhere and not having an outlet for my frustration because all of the people who are closest to me denied that this existed. And feeling this for an extended period of time is extremely harmful because you don't have any awareness that this is shitty and that other people experience this too. Like the overall message I was hearing all the time was, oh, all these people complaining about racism are so sensitive. Like racism is in the past. Everyone is equal to me. I'm not racist. It was incredibly invalidating and it made me internalize that to a certain extent this was normal. And it was more like feelings of sadness or like, I don't know, stress, 
But I think when I started reading more about how all of these things are connected to racism, historical views of like Asian American, Asian American women, I started getting super angry and frustrated because it just showed how much gaslighting I experienced in the past. And all of my experiences were invalidated because I was around all of these white people and white men. They deny, deny, deny. You know what I realized? I was so preoccupied with like, oh my God, I can't be seen as that person who get offended easily. I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I do get offended easily. This is all offensive. This is very offensive. I'll be offended. If they see it enough times, they'll be like, oh, there's a lot of people who are offended. Oh, maybe I'm offensive. I definitely agree with how much of the racism has been normalized and all these microaggressions are kind of unaddressed. A lot of white people that I talk to, try to brush it off. And I think a lot of people feel so uncomfortable talking about race and racism. And this lack of addressing the actual issues and talking about it and only talking about like, oh yeah, I've been learning and educating myself. Like, fuck that. Like, educate yourself on your own time. But like, let's really talk about the microaggressions and things at play in the workplace. And no one wants to talk about that. And I feel like When I bring it up in the workplace, it's constantly getting shut down. But I think, you know, I don't really care because this is important to me. So I will keep speaking up. And I think a lot of other people in like less advantageous positions are afraid of speaking up for retribution or being attacked or labeled. But I think there needs to be somebody pushing for some change or else nothing is going to happen. And I think it's just very disappointing when people like especially corporations do performative activism like they actually care. And yet most of their upper management, like 85 percent is white men, like literally, like really, you're you're really trying to make it diverse, huh? Like we're trying to increase that to like a little bit lower. Like what? That's just so not representative. Yeah, I think I was very surprised when I saw like support in my company and people in channels saying that they supported the AIPI community and they don't stand for Asian hate and we stand by like blah, blah, blah. But when I actually tell my coworkers about my personal experience and the emotional impact it had on me, um, and I talked about like what I thought and it released to my family and how like it's been difficult, they're so surprised and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know it had that kind of impression on you. They are just so disconnected from it and they are so ignorant that these issues and racism is real. When I was seeing conversations on racism and what we can do about it, it was interesting that everyone was talking about what to do from a white perspective. And the two POCs in the team were just forgotten. And also, also, we were both Asian. And I think because we're Asian, they just forget that we're POCs. And they were talking like, what we could do with white people to support Black people and just automatically assume that all of us are coming from a very privileged position to help out people and minorities. And we can't let the burden on them, but like the burden's on me right now to be like, hi, I also experienced these issues. My cousin, who's extremely passionate about like social justice and equality, was in a social justice program and the leader who was like renowned for being like amazing mentor and teacher for social justice was listening to her talk about Asian Americans and immigrants and the racism and the difficulties that they face. And she was just like, oh, but you know, there's different faces of oppression and Black people and Latinx people face this, this and this and Asian Americans. And basically she was saying like, oh, it's not as bad as for you guys. My cousin was so upset and she was crying like, But for a while, she didn't understand why she felt that way. And then she realized like, oh, shit, I have a very, very difficult immigrant background. And she has no idea all the things I face. And it's just very discouraging to see that the leaders of your social justice movements and stuff are not including you. 
Like you have to constantly prove to other people that, hey, Asians are people of color and you have to prove to people that you are being oppressed. And I'm just like, why do we have to consistently prove to you that we are oppressed? And I feel like it becomes popularized in our society that Asians don't face racism because, you know, look at them. They're doing so well. They have jobs and like they make a lot of money. Look at them. They're model minorities. And I think that narrative is so dangerous because like even when I try to bring up anti-Asian hate crimes, people just dismiss it and they're just like, bring the conversation back to like, let's just focus on Black people. And I'm just like, there are just so many groups like Indigenous people, like Latinx people, a bunch of other people of color that face racism and solely bringing the attention just to this one like Black Lives Matter movement. You're choosing to ignore everything else and kind of making this into like this trend. And the only reason they care is because it was this trend. And I think when you see this in media and how it's being kind of normalized and people don't speak up about it, I think the silence speaks volumes to what people actually care about. Thinking about like Ex Machina, it's a whole movie about this creator who creates like these very human-like robots. And I think two of them who were Asian were very sexualized and also weren't given voices and were treated very submissively and only existed for the pleasure of the white man and service of the white man. And when I was like, okay, this is very off, I googled racism and ex machina and it was very interesting that the first post was from a long time ago and it was like this random blog with wasn't super modern design in all the comments though they were like holy shit like i'm so glad i found this because i knew it wasn't just me and all these people were very surprised that they were glowing reviews about this movie not talking about this at all and i think we're so used to just not seeing any news or any like messaging towards the racism that asian americans face and asian american women in particular It's just so infuriating. There's just so much rage that I feel. How many more people have to die for other people to give a fuck? How many more old people and like children have to face racism for people to actually care for white America to wake the fuck up? People say like, oh, I see you. I hear you. And I stand by you. And yet they don't do anything. They don't try to educate themselves or like really try to understand or speak up for others. And I think that's what really kind of pisses me off when it's just performative activism when people say that they care about these issues and post on social media yet their actions don't reflect what they are quote-unquote saying publicly and not reaching out to like asian american friends and coworkers and acquaintances to say hey how are you doing like are you okay things like that i think the lack of doing that shows that you don't actually care It's super important that Asian Americans are communicating with each other, validate each other, and become more educated on common experiences as things that are not okay. If I had to give advice to my previous self, I would say don't feel obligated to make everyone understand at once. Try to target an audience who is trying to understand your experience first before trying to directly challenge its existence and then slowly work from there. It can be extremely discouraging to start with the most ignorant people. Because I'm not just trying to educate people who are ignorant. Like, you also need to educate yourself. And it's best to do that with other people who understand that your experience is real. Nellie, do you have any advice for Asian Americans out there? Know your truth and don't let anyone else silence you. You will have a voice and your experiences are real. They matter. 
So don't ever apologize for talking about your experiences, your emotions, what you have dealt with. A lot of times people will try to gaslight you, undermine you, invalidate you. But if you stay strong to what your truth is, even if you are the only one speaking and it can be lonely, don't ever let yourself be silenced. And as much as I talk about like fucking people up, obviously do not engage in violence or put yourself in a dangerous position. Always make sure that you are safe and comfortable. Just be smart about like your surroundings and be aware because like your safety comes first. Like you need to be alive so then you can like, you know, talk about it and voice your experiences. And I think another thing I would say is it's difficult when you are surrounded by people who are not aware of these issues and they don't understand. But I think like one of the benefits of being in like a larger city is you can find those diverse pockets of people who have understand. I think that is a community that you want to be a part of and never feel as if you don't have a community out there because the internet is a wide, wide range of like diverse people. And you can always find a community online and find that support that you otherwise might not have. So stay strong. Be positive and be proud of being Asian. And don't be quiet. Yeah, be loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please.